from flight attendant to vet tech school. Today, you can count on advice, inspiration, and a little humor as we sit down with my friend, Deb Reeder. Let's talk about never settling for less than you deserve, building a network, and finding your mentors. Greetings, friends. Are you feeling frustrated or stuck in the student to professional transition? Looking for early career growth or dreaming of the next step in your journey to greatness? I'm Jody Lynch Findlay, your thriving equine professional, podcaster, speaker, and coach. Inside this podcast, you will gain clarity through tactical advice to better understand yourself and others. You will build confidence to boldly pursue your dreams on purpose. And you will grow your community, uncovering tools to cultivate an intentional community supporting your journey. So let's dig in. If you are ready to thrive, get the ponies fed, fill those water buckets, grab your journal, and let's grow, girl. I'm here to help you thrive, to live inspired, fulfilled, and empowered. My friends, here we are for episode 10 of the Thriving Equine Professional, and you are in for a treat today. I cannot imagine that anyone will have more fun than me today and our guest, my dear friend, Deb Reeder. So I am beyond excited for this. I think that, Deb, we will have to probably cut one another off. We could talk for hours, but it was so important for me to ask you to come on really early on in this project, this dream of mine because more important than anything, you wear a lot of hats, you have a lot of titles, we'll talk about that, but you are one of my heroes. You are just such a champion of individuals and the equine industry, and I have been blessed beyond measure to count you in in my court. So I am so excited for our listeners to get to know more about you and all that you've done and what brought you to, you know, now you're probably at least twice retired, but you've retired from a couple of different, right, endeavors along the way. But you have some tremendous advice for our listeners who are working so hard to be thriving equine professionals as you are. So, Deb, I will turn it over to you and give us a little bit of just the basic bio, right? Who are you? Where are you? And what are, are the highlights of the Deb Reader story? Well, first of all, Jody, thank you so, so much. And, you know, we talk about heroes and you are definitely one of mine. And I couldn't wait to jump in your court because you are just, um, you're the epitome of uh, doing what you, you are the epitome of that for me. And I applaud you thousands percent. So yes, I grew up on a working cattle ranch in, in the San Joaquin Valley in California. And I just assumed that's what life was, <laughs> you know, <laughs> irrigation ditches, playing with mud pies, building forts, riding horses, you know, 24, seven, you know, getting pulled off. You got to come in now. It's dark. <laughs> um, 
But uh, from there, I, gosh, after college, I became a flight attendant for uh, 10 years and uh, loved it. And yes, did the thing you're not supposed to do. I married the pilot. Um, <laughs> That's my favorite. <laughs> and then I found out about this career uh, veterinary technician. And I was just intrigued because I've always been interested in horses and animals. I grew up with them. And I remember as a little girl following our veterinarian around out on the ranch and, you know, oh, well, I want to do this, you know, as he's pulling a calf and he goes, well, I'm sorry, you can't because you're a girl. So I, uh, through my veterinarians, uh, South Texas, I, uh, found out that I could go to school and become a veterinary technician, which I did and, uh, graduated and then took the state exams and national exams and became a registered veterinary technician and then went on and worked in a variety of practices in Texas. And one of the things, you know, I was just always drawn to opportunities, new opportunities. Like I learned how to do the Coggins test and blue tongue for cattle. And I learned in another practice how to uh, run scintigraphy. It was a new modality at that time. And I got trained in that. And then I had an opportunity to work with um, Scottish Rite Hospital in their Lizeroff uh, research uh, clinics. And so I went and did that for a while. And it, it just because it taught me so much about anesthesia and research. And it was just a another avenue. And my loves were always anesthesia, rehabilitation, foals in the ICU. The, that was my jam. That's what got me excited to go to work every day. And then... Yeah, I, after being uh, president of the Texas Association a couple of years and working with uh, that association to get the technician recognized in our Practice Act here in Texas, which had never happened before, which I was going legislative. What? What am I doing? What am I doing here at the state capitol? <laughs> you know, you just do it, and yes. it's the right thing to do. And then a group of us found another right thing to do, and that was to create a venue for equine technician only continuing education. And out of that, practices said, yes, keep doing this. And so we approached the AEP and got their blessing and we formed and created the American Association of Equine Veterinary Technicians and Assistants. And again, that was an avenue I knew nothing about. I had yeah. to research how to form a nonprofit, go to the state, you know, and get your nonprofit status. And I'm just, it was all like foreign soup to me. Yes. But, you know, you're driven by the group behind you that is going, this is the right thing to do and it's needed. So, yeah, that was in 2002. We became a formal association recognized in 2004 and had our first CE event. And from there, it's history. We've from just there, it's history. Next year, twenty years, right? Like so. Yeah. I mean, that's that's just huge. It's huge yep. because that, and that's how you and I became acquainted, right? Yes. I think I, I've talked in a previous episode. You have acquaintances, and you have mentors, and you have heroes, and you have champions. But we began as acquaintances, and if th this audience doesn't already know, this is such a small industry. It's such a small industry, right? So yes, you live in Texas and I live in Kentucky and 
wherever we met, you and I love to just, I mean, I think it was one of those moments, right? Not to be too weird, Deb, but our eyes just spotted each other across the room. We were probably both talking with our hands and we are just so passionate about the people. And so your passion for the technicians, my passion for the young people who want to pursue these equine industry careers, you formed an organization to serve others. And you say it's because it was the right thing to do. I just, it's tremendous, the momentum that was built and the young people who have been inspired, educated, engaged and driven to do more because you have championed not only individuals, but this entire group of young people who want to pursue this career. It did. It fulfilled a need, you know, and I think that's the other piece of it. And beyond the, the technicians and assistants and practice managers and support staff who rallied around this and wanted to become involved I think it also opened the eyes up of the equine veterinarian that this is a group of individuals that we've just had by our side forever, but, you know, we didn't really pay attention to their needs. And I think, you know, that's the other piece of this, that they've come to champion us as well, because it's now a community and that community is larger than just you know, the AEP, the equine veterinarian, the, the community involves everyone that works in that equine practice or in the equine industry. And, yes. you know, I remember going to a board meeting for AEP and, you know, they were concerned about, of course, the future of our industry. And I said, you can't fix this by yourselves. You need us, the AEBT yes. and our community and our network and our drive and our commitment and professionalism as much as we need you because we don't exist without the equine veterinarian and their realm. And I said, but this is a collaborative effort that has to happen. And I think that's, you know, that's one of the blessings that's come out of this is we realize we do need each other. Without a doubt. And I think that That's an example of not knowing what we didn't know and not knowing what we needed. And that that the answer, it's literally right under our nose, right beside us in the truck, right? Right across the hallway at the clinic is that this group of technicians and assistants are invaluable and have so much to bring to enhance the profession and improve client relations and communication those kinds of things. So I, th- I think that's just, it's just tremendous, the vision that you had and really being able to look at it now and see how far it has come. And I had no freaking idea. <laughs> it, was, right? it was just taking one step at a time and, and moving in, you know, the direction that was needed or, you know, filling that gap or, okay, well, we got to do this, you know, and I remember going to other association meetings and like they didn't have an equine manual like we did within three or four years of being formed and they didn't have brochures. And it was just it was about creating resources for this group that were like sponges. They just wanted to learn more. They wanted to be part of this community and build a network and be able to reach out to someone three or four states away that you'd met at a conference and exchanged you know, numbers or whatever, and go, Hey, this is what we're doing in our clinic. How are you doing this? And, um, 
you know, all the, you know, like you say, the, the young, you know, right out of school technicians who are entering the equine field and they're trying, you know, to find their way and to know that there's a group out there that's, hey, we're here for you. You know, we've got experiences that we'd love to share with you how we did it, how we screwed up. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. And learned from it. Um, and um, you know, and and yeah, be be mentors. I don't know that that's exactly, you know, what I ever sought out to be. I think right. it was more just, you know, doing doing you. And yes, you know, so much of me became the AVT, you know, it was like, that was pretty much who I was for 20 some odd years. But um, my goodness, through all of it, I mean, I've, you know, I've seen people grow and, and move into um, positions and practices and skill sets that is just astounding. And it's um, so, re so rewarding. And, you know, the people that you've met along the way, um, it's funny, even to this day, you know, everybody, you know, knows I have retired, but they go, well, call Deb because she'll know who that person is or somebody who knows them, you know, yes. it's, it's uh, that's what the network is about is being that resource. Yes, it, it is. And I love that you take that a little bit further. And that's probably as closely as we connect on so many aspects of this effort we are people people and yeah. that that is truly what i am driven to do is to connect people and to empower others especially young women but you talk about building that network i change the word to community build yourself a community and but you're very specific in your direction so tell us a little bit about when you talk about building a community deb you are coaching us to seek out that network, to ask, what are, what are we asking? You're, you're telling us to attend and to follow. You're very specific, which I love. And our audience is hungry for that. The I mean, we are, we're only 10 episodes into the Thriving Equine Professional. Episode three was the most listened to episode, and it was building a thriving community in the equine network. And right. so our listeners are hungry for the how and what and why, and you really take that to a very specific level. So take, take us deeper. Well, I guess um, one way to do that is just share one of my experiences. Um, when I started to get more into the practice management, because I saw so many of the tools that small animal clinics had that just equine did not. And I remember attending this conference with um, Dr. Andrew Clark, and I was in the back of the room and I just went, who is this guy? <laughs> but he's speaking my language. I'm like, oh my goodness, he gets it. And so we were on a bus and I purposely sat beside him on the bus and right. introduced myself. And I just asked him if he ever mentored anybody. And he just kind of looked at me like, <laughs> where'd you come from? <laughs> um, but he was very gracious and um, she goes, I guess just, you know, contact me, which I did. Yes. And pretty much through all, I would say almost my 20 years with the AVT, 15 of it anyway, um, he mentored me, he guided me, he set me up <laughs> many times where I thought to fail, 
but you know, I scrambled <laughs> and I somehow, you know, created a little bit of a success out of, um, things, but we worked together. Um, he, you know, encouraged me to, you know, and got me working with practices out in California and, and Texas and created, um, you know, a learning environment for me to learn more about the people's, you know, that, that run these practices and help them do better and bring, you know, my experiences, um, and knowledge, you know, because that's the other piece of it. You know, when I was uh, working as a technician and I knew I loved anesthesia, I went to every single anesthesia CE event I could get to. And I became, you know, I created networks there of the anesthesia gurus. I sought them out. I exchanged email, you know, numbers with them. And I had their numbers posted above my anesthesia machine. You know, if I had a question. Yes. And especially into practice management, the same. I um, sought those people out. I attended their conferences. You know, I met them, you know, in smaller groups. And, you know, you just exchange ideas and you listen. Sometimes I'm not very good at listening because we're so busy talking. (laughs) (laughs) Amen. Amen. But you just, you listen and you soak it up. And I think through all of it too, I mean, my resume, I often tell people don't follow my resume because I I was a one-off. I mean, I, you know, I would go off on this tangent or I go to that practice. or oh, I want to go do this. And, oh, you know, this, that, the other, but it was all about opportunities and they, all of those opportunities helped me to grow and to also find my niche, my, my, um, place that juiced me, my jam, and had I not explored all those different practices or people to work with or avenues, I don't know, I might not have found what really, you know, jazzed me. And so I think that's important too. And whoever that is, whoever's written the book, you know, just remember, we're all people too. You know, all of these yeah. people that you look up to and, you know, you just go, oh my gosh, they're, you know, the gurus, the gods of our equine industry, they're people too. They started somewhere too. Yes. And they, those that are really people of integrity will never turn you down. They will always yes. be there to help you because that's what, you know, juices this profession is we are here for each other and we're here for the horse, you know, yes. foremost, but we can't be here for the horse unless we're here for each other as well and build each other up and, and give each other the resources we've, you know, stumbled across or messed up or found. And the people who, yeah, you want to know more about this? Well, here's my list of people's, you know, be willing to share that. Yes. So that's, and I've had David Foley with the AEP is probably another one that I count as one of my mentors um, because, you know, I was this fledgling executive director of an association that I had no idea what I was doing. But, you know, he always encouraged me to, you know, go go to this meeting or here, come to this or here are these resources. He was always so willing to share. Yes. And, um, that's that's what makes us grow and and be better. Yeah, I I love that advice. And I am always quick to follow up with a challenge sometimes for today's student or early career professional is 
I feel very strongly that I want them to step out of their comfort zone and to seek the folks that are five, at least preferably 10 plus years ahead of us doing some of the things that we are interested in. Because to your point, those are the people that are going to pick up the phone for you. They're going to meet you for coffee and meet you for lunch, take advantage of those connections and get you know, I, I think that getting out of that peer group and stretching ourselves to grow a community that is ahead of us, those are the folks that are going to teach us, empower us and pull us along because we don't get jobs or roles without a phone call. And, and I'm just quick to share that. I, I'm seeing so much discouragement from you know, the students and early career professionals who are maybe discouraged by applying for four or five, 10 jobs and not hearing back. And I think that we, I cannot repeat enough. It is a community that will get you a job interview. It is a community that will get you a job nine times out of 10. And yeah. so really to your point being, you know, very, deliberate and intentional about growing that network and seeking out those people because it's not generally just someone you're going to happen upon. And if you put that time and effort into seeking out those people, asking them questions, attending the right events and meetings and educational development opportunities. And, you know, sometimes I joke, but I think it makes it memorable to memorable to say stalk people. You know, you're almost stalking them. Like I can picture you sitting down on the bus next to Dr. Andy Clark. And I, I can picture that I could have been on that bus and I can just, it makes me chuckle because I can see the look on his face and I can see the look on your face. But when we, when we put it that way and we have fun with it, it's a little bit of stalking and that's okay. It's, it's professional stalking, right? It, it is. And it's, you know, it's, um, Opportunities sometimes present themselves to you, but you also have to take advantage of those opportunities. If yes. you just sit there and watch them go by, nothing happens. And um, you have to have enough faith and trust in yourself, who you are and what you're here to offer and give and contribute and be um, that, you know, take advantage of those and, you know, uh, like you say, look at who's speaking at some of these conferences and somehow make your way there. Or, you know, if it's a pharmaceutical, you know, company like, you know, Jeannie Jeffries, another one of my heroes, my goodness, what she has done in her career, um, you know, and she's still one of my best friends and an absolute hoot, but she's someone yes. that you needed to know yes. <laughs> in this industry. And, um, you know, you just, you just take advantage of those, um, opportunities and, um, uh, find a way, find a way. Find a way. Right. And so, and that really brings your next point, which I, it resonated so much because for our listeners, if you do not know, uh, through previous episodes, I left a really great job just a few months ago. And um, most people thought I was completely crazy, still do. I am crazy, but they they just really question why I would leave, you know, such a tremendous job. But Deb, you got on an airplane that night and you flew from Texas to Lexington, Kentucky to celebrate with me 
the closing of a an amazing chapter, a decade of my life. But you were there because I was doing something new. And your advice has always been you never settle for less than you deserve or desire. And as scary a transition as this is, for some reason, you know, I, I always say the last year has been prayerful and purposeful and intentional. And I said, it is time to jump. It is time to follow my heart and serve in a different way. And that advice, never settle for less than you deserve or desire. I want you to tell us a little bit more about that because that speaks to my heart. Yes. Well, I couldn't be more proud of you and honored to be in your circle. And, you know, I, it's one thing, um, I think that's kind of always stuck with me because I mean, I became a veterinary technician when, you know, we were being paid $7 an hour and yeah. that's ridiculous. <laughs> right. But, um, you know, and I also, as I, you know, kind of grew in my career, I remember specifically, I'm not going to name so many names, but people have heard this story from me. And it was, I helped uh, start up this referral practice. And after, I don't even know how many years, five years or four years or whatever, um, with the, you know, the owners and I went out to lunch and they kind of said, well, you know, at, um, $15 an hour. We think you're the highest paid equine technician anywhere. And that's, that's the limit. And I just, I, I kind of went, huh? You know what? I've been doing this for 10 years and you're telling me that's my sky. That's my limit. So I did the scary thing, came back after lunch, thanked them very much for lunch and put the keys down on the conference table and got in my car and left. Yeah. <laughs> and before I left, however, I did leave them. I think it was a three or four page on a yellow tablet, note tablet, yes. all the things that I felt were not right with their approach to the practice, how I felt they could continue or, you know, ideas on how they could continue to do better. And I, you know, I kind of honestly went, well, I burned that bridge. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> But a month later, they were opening up a, another practice at a racetrack and they needed someone who was Coggins certified to run their laboratory. <laughs> Guess what I was? Yes. <laughs> so, and then it started from there that, oh, well, we need someone to kind of run this practice for us and, you know, work with, you know, the backside veterinarians and all that. And um, I said, well, I can do that, but it will cost you this and it will be overtime. And, you know, I'm going to run this practice pretty much how I feel it should be run. Right. Like they gave me carte blanche, you know, and I thought I'd had burned a bridge, but it's funny because one of the owners has told me since, and he goes, you don't know, but years after that, I still had that, those yellow pages in my desk and, really? you know, I'm taking them off and it was it was, it was really, truly, I knew I was worth more than that, more than that dollar amount, if anything else. It was, I knew I wasn't being respected or um, recognized for what I was giving to the practice. And I think so much in our industry, especially, we give, 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 because we love to our bones what we do. 
and we do it for the horse and we do it for that client or that child whose pony is going into surgery or, you know, the mayor that's having her last full and, you know, we got to do everything we can. And it's, it's a heart heartbreaking industry. And, and we do it out of servitude and caring and dedication and love. And so many times out of that, we forget the dollar, but the dollar should never determine our worth but it is a measure and we all have to pay our bills you know um you know you have to you know sometimes veterinarians don't think 15 dollars an hour you can't buy a new car you can't get your car fixed you can't buy a house um you know retirement you know i mean all these things what happens if you get hurt you know medical bills um i just think sometimes practices forget that we need all those things in order to be able to be our best at work and to contribute our very best. And, you know, I just, I really believe that we are our own pilot. We are our own astronaut and the sky is limitless. And that, that glass ceiling, it's up there to be broken. Thank you, Jenna Antonucci, who did it. Yes. Weekend. Yes. Um, And she was one of us at one time. She was an equine veterinary assistant. Her dream was not to win the Belmont, but her life took her in that direction and she never settled and she always stayed true to herself. And, um, you know, that's, that's being true. It's, it's owning your integrity and, you know, it's almost kind of like dating, you know, you sell yourself short and go date some jerk, you know, that, you know, is going to dump you in the ditch someday and stomp on you, (laughs) you know, forget it. Right. Um, And what was the quote? Speaking of Jenna, because I thought that was great. You know, um, at, at the quote that they have published in every article since the Belmont, if you can't find a seat at the table, make your own table, make your own table. Yeah. Create your own table. She, she has done that. And there's also another uh, quote that I, I just had saved and I thought it's perfect for what we're talking about today, but it's, and if you don't mind, I'll read it, but it's darling. If you don't paint a portrait of yourself on that blank canvas, someone will get a hold of your brush and paint an image of you for themselves and you might just believe them. Oh, That's, I mean, that is gut wrenching criminal. Just do not ever let anyone have your brush. Yes, ever. ever. And it's so easy to do in today's world. And we are talking beyond just the equine industry. This oh, yeah. is it's a little bit of my point of comparisonitis. I talked about yes. that. It's a word I made up in my head. But in this world of social media and the the hustle, what I call the hustle culture, that we are supposed to, we're yeah. supposed to do this, we're supposed to be that, we're supposed to do this. You know, I, I talked with a young lady just this week who is pursuing both a DVM and a PhD. And so obviously that's taking her a little bit longer through that process than some of her peers who are now out and they're earning a living. And so she's really starting to get anxious and question what she's doing. 
And uh, oh my gosh, that resonates just so much to say, don't let anyone else have your brush. No. And it's your brush, you know, just kind of like what you're saying, you know, you, if you don't want to have a PhD and you don't want to be a DVM and you don't want a master's in this or that or the other, that's okay because that's for you. Um, and, and yet, you know, always stretch yourself because you never know where, how far that rubber band's going to let you go. Right. Um, I, I can absolutely assure you when I first started out as a veterinary technician, I had absolutely no path or direction. Oh, this is what I'm going to be when I grow up and 20 years down the road, this is how it will all look. No, my map was just all over the place, but, um, you know, I just, I do hope that for you to thrive, you know, just never settle for what isn't you, what, you know, and you is you, no one can tell you what that is. And you at your very best, if you don't settle and you're always true to you, gosh, look what you can contribute and bring to this, to not only your life, your, you know, your relationships, but to this industry. And we need you to be that. Yes, absolutely. That is what we need. That's, that's what our goal, you and I both have that same goal. We, the the energy, bring your energy, bring your passion. And I want to point out, I think that you, you are also, we've shared some of these stories when we are moving forward, when we are taking risks and trying things based on listening and learning and surrounding ourselves with, with true champions, whatever failure we encounter is is really pretty minuscule in the big scheme of things. There is no failure that has stopped either one of us to this point to continuing to thrive in what we do. And I can assure our listeners that both you and I have experienced some failures along the way. Oh, I guarantee. I call them detours. (laughs) There you go. Yes. Okay. That's our new word. We, we, we will no longer, we, we won't say failures, but we, we are going to have some detours on these journeys that we call life. And, you know, this is, this is just an amazing and your word rewarding industry to be a part of and bringing your true authentic self is necessary and critical right now. And it's, you know, it's also thoroughly enjoying the relationships that you build along the way and having fun. I mean, Jody and I, Jody and I know how to do that with capital F U N. Yes. Um, that was that- the next word I was gonna say. I'm so glad. Please. <laughs> Let's talk about, let's talk about working hard and playing harder, playing harder. Um, it's, you know, it's, it, it, it does, it makes it, you know, uh, gosh, you just, you go to these conferences and yes, we're there to learn and build a network, but we're also there to enjoy each other and, um, enjoy these relationships that we have been honored and, you know, built, um, and it's, ah, oh my gosh, I just, I can't even count all the places I've gotten to see and, and, and the people I've gotten to meet, the clinics I've been able to go to. And, 
you know, all of those are experiences that you carry with you. And, um, and then you get to share, you know, with somebody else, somebody goes, well, you know, what about this clinic or what about that clinic? And I go, well, I've actually been to both of them. This is my take on it, you know? Right. Um, But it's, you know, it's, it's looking for that group of people that will build you up and, and let you crash through those glass ceilings and give yeah. you those opportunities to find your niches and to thrive. If every practice had that in their culture, this is where you can thrive. Yes. <laughs> we would be in a different place. We would. We certainly would. And, you know, when we talk about kind of having fun and building those connections, especially at events and meetings where we have those opportunities. So much happens outside of traditional learning. This industry is is amazing at academic and clinical education. We are teaching skills. We're teaching skills. But what I am most passionate about, and I think you as well, are that it's those conversations in the hallway. It's those conversations around the coffee bar, the breakfast bar, or the after hours bar where you and I like to do most of our chatting cocktail napkins hold jewels they do they absolutely do like some of the best ideas i can get up so excited and tired in the mornings (laughs) because i have all these ideas in my head and all this energy that has come from the conversations and connections that occur because i am not moving around that conference with the people with two or three people that are the same all the time You know, we're really trying to navigate and network um, through various circles so that we we can challenge ourselves to grow and be better and participate in the fun because the fun is the fun is where it really happens. So I do believe that our listeners need to hear that, you know, you go and do skills based when it comes down to it and we are building culture, I want to hire character and, and train skills. We want to okay. hire character. So go get some character and character building experiences come from sometimes <laughs> making dumb decisions, doing, <laughs> doing things that are outside our comfort zone and uh, stretching. Yes. Well, and, and like you say, being, you know, being around a group of people that maybe you wouldn't normally hang with, but the conversation draws you in and, and gets you hooked and you start brainstorming. And, you know, I I think that's one of the favorite things I've found in this industry too, is to be able to um, be around people who are thinking outside the box and they don't say, no, I don't think you can do that. They go, well, how do we do this? Yeah. And, you know, to brainstorm with them and, and then bring back ideas to a group and expand it even more. And, um, it just juices me and energizes me. And I, I, I love that. And I, I, I do hope to always, you know, be surrounded with that type of conversation, um, that, you know, just propels us forwards instead of backward. Right. Yes. Now, we got to go the right direction. That's why wine is always involved. (laughs) Yes. So, and speaking of that, right, let's talk about the fact that you not only are a thriving equine professional, but a lot of the questions we get asked, and you know my opinion on, you know, that that dirty term work-life balance, I think it's ridiculous and it creates conflict. 
anyway, <laughs> let's talk about having a life, right? Like, so we're, yes. ha- we're here to be thriving at life. Yes, you are an equine professional and being in the equine industry is not just a job. It's a lifestyle. Yeah. It's a career. It, it It's all these things. And you have this amazing life. You just recently got back from a pretty awesome trip, but let's talk grandchildren and wine and Texas and wherever else. Where'd you come from last week, Deb? Oh my goodness. Um, Well, I have a very dear friend who is a sommelier who lives in Southern France and he was uh, the guide, the main psalm on this uh, cruise that started in England. And then we went down the coast of France and the Northern coast of Spain. And it was two weeks. Well, I, I guess yeah, about 14 days all total. And we just got back. So I'm like, <laughs> um, but it was amazing. And it was, you know, seeing other cultures and um, learning again, I was, you know, learning. There was an equine clinic off our bus and I was like, turn right. I want to go to see this. But um, I was, you know, I've always been a fan of learning and I, you know, wine has always been a, um, uh, an interest of mine, but you know, I guess because when I really look at it, wine is life. It's always changing. It's always moving. It's, um, changing in your glass. It's changing in the bottle and you never know when you open that bottle, what you're going to get. And it's, it's, uh, it brings people together, um, probably brings out some truth, <laughs> but uh, I love it because it, it just brings people together. I've never known people sitting around drinking a beautiful glass of wine or a beautiful bottle and enjoying um, each other that are having a bad time. And I, I am agree. all about, you know, if we're going to go through this life, <laughs> God, we better have a good time doing it. And uh, so I became a, um, a second level sommelier and, you know, I'm continuing to learn and I have to yes. learn by drinking more wine. <laughs> I love this journey. So I have been the benefactor of that a couple of times. And so I, I love that part. Yeah. And then most recently, I think you added another certification or, you know, part-time job to your resume. So a bit of a travel advisor. Yes. I'm a travel advisor with Fora travel f-o-r-a it's a new travel kind of a a a company and kind of a new approach to travel and i'm just appreciating it and um you know travel and wine and my grandchildren and my family or you know and my my new aussie puppy or my juices now and and i you know i'm still involved in the equine you know industry here again you know consulting and and you know, networking, but, um, you know, now I'm getting to pick and choose what I want to do and, and where I want to focus. And, um, that's, um, that's been a great gift, um, of all of this. And I'm very, very fortunate, you know, that way. And yes. So Yes. Um, you continue to thrive, right? Yeah, I do um, continue to thrive. Yes. yes. No. Nope. And that's the important part. Deb, as we wrap up, I, I really, you know, again, I just appreciate our conversation anytime we get to have it, but I want to make sure that our listeners just are hearing the passion behind what you're doing 
and what you have done and what you continue to do. You are truly an advocate for this industry. You are a doer. You are a champion. You're a wife, a mom, a grandma, a dog mom. And um, I can't even say the small yay. See, I, I struggle with that word. I keep practicing, right? Um, but you truly demonstrate celebrating life. And that's just, you know, that's my, my theme in life is celebrate life, the whole thing. So the living inspired, fulfilled and empowered. And that is what you represent here to us today. And I want our listeners to know that we are here to lead and empower and inspire, and that we're here also to be an ear and they are heard if you are a young person making the transition from student to professional, if you are an early career professional that wants to grow and develop through this industry, or if you're somewhere in the middle and you're just ready for, you know, a shot of confidence or a little inspiration, that is what the two of us probably are most passionate about. This is an amazing industry. There are, it, to your point, there is no ceiling. There are limitless opportunities. And we want to, you know, open the book to those, for those of you that have interest. And Deb, there's no one better to do that. So I thank you so much for being a part of this, being a part of my journey. And of course, just being such a champion and a true hero um, for what I have done and continue to do. Oh, well, thank you, Jody. And you just, um, you make my heart sing because um, you are what we, sh you know, what we all aspire to be and do, and you are doing you and taking it to huge new levels. And beyond that, you're also giving back to this community and in a very unique way. And I'm, I'm here, you know, um, yes, I'm still very, very passionate about this profession and this industry. And I know we're going to get over this hump and, um, go on and be even better than we were before. This is again, just yeah. a detour. That's so, right. Just a detour. A little detour yes. as we kind of shift and reconnect, because yes. I believe that's how, that's what's got to happen. We're going to reconnect. We're going to grow a community and um, we're there. We're headed in that direction. So, Deb, how can our listeners find you? I know that you are a part already of our LinkedIn group. So I yes. always direct people first and foremost to me on LinkedIn under Jody Lynch Findlay and Jody Speaks Life. But also we created a LinkedIn group uh, side by side with this new podcast and it is called The Thriving Equine Professional. So I know you're there on LinkedIn, but any anywhere else that you would um, send our listeners if they want to connect with you? Um, social media, I'm on Facebook, Deborah Brook Reader, and then they can also email me. I'm happy to answer emails and, um, you know, give resources, encourage, um, guide or, you know, have a glass of wine with you somewhere. That's all it's what it's about. Um, yes. And my email is D as in David, B as in boy, reader, R-E-E, -E, D as in David, E-R, at Gmail. 
Fantastic. Oh, well, Deb, I loved it. I oh, loved it. We are we are wrapping up episode 10 of the Thriving Equine Professional. Again, you can find me and Deb on LinkedIn. You can visit me at www.jodyspeakslife.com. That's J-O-D-I speakslife.com. And we will see you next week for another episode of the Thriving Equine Professional. Have a fabulous day and keep celebrating life. Friend, I hope this episode inspired and empowered you to keep growing. If so, first, I want you to go share it with a friend. Second, I would be so grateful if you would pop over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a review so I know you're here. And finally, come join me in our private LinkedIn group, The Thriving Equine Professional, as we build this community of equine leaders.